Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, elder candidate at Redeemer Fellowship. We're getting it done. Getting it done. Had it, we, did, we did Dr. Don Whitney, D-dubs. Yep, D-dubs last night. We had the D-dubs. And then, um, well, we went and we hung out with some people. Some peoples. Some, yep. some, you know, some were more important than others. Yeah, well, just so happened, you know. Well, he couldn't make it. Richie no, is, is unavailable. No, but so but but we do have Barnabas Piper. Barnabas Piper's here with us. How long are you going to be an elder candidate? You know what, Barnabas? You know elder? what? I just want you to know. Hey, uh, he's almost done. He just I'm said almost me. done. Hey, I'll tell you this. He's been working on his uh, on his systematic theology paper, and uh, he just uh, paper air quotes. And uh, how how long does this paper have to be? Well, as long as it needs to be, Jimmy. As long as it needs, he has to, be. to give a couple of paragraphs for each subsection. Yeah. So nothing intense. It's just like, hey, explain your view okay. of. Mm-hmm. I'm recalling my days studying systematic theology and the number of papers I wrote and the amount of time it took me to write them, and still wondering how long are you going to be an elder candidate? Oh yeah. It, well, you know, well, none of us, can, not, you know, not all of us has that Piper blood in us. That's true. That's true. Only one of us here does. Yeah. But well, still, Joe, I mean, Joe passed systematic theology. <laughs> taught systematic theology. You did not teach it. Stop I taught it. Bruce Ware, man. He was my student when I was at Southern. You are that old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So if you guys don't know, most, I mean, I'm sure all of our listeners do know, yeah. uh, but in case you were in a bomb shelter in Canada and you just came out, uh, surprise, Trump is president and Barnabas Piper. I'm not allowed to talk about that. About the Trump, bomb shelter Trump or being, Trump? Trump being president. Oh, no, you don't have to talk about yeah, Trump. Yeah, right. we didn't bring you on here no. to talk about that. No, we'll talk, we'll talk we about We know your Trump. views, how much you love Trump. It's oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you we and Jimmy yeah. both are, were on the I Trump am wagon. Not a, I am not Trump. Yeah. You were a, Stop okay. it. Stop it. Barnabas doesn't know. It's a nice hat, Jimmy. Barnabas. <laughs> Barnabas is, uh, works in publishing, uh, and he, but he, you probably know him. Most of you are not going to know him in the publishing world on, in his professional side, but you do know him as an author and a podcaster. Uh, his popular uh, podcast is called Happy Rant. Happy Rant. Although it's not for, they're not, they don't seem very happy most of the time. No, no. You, th- you seem annoyed. Is it called most Cynical of the time. Rant? Annoyed? Annoyance? Um, I mean, How- I. Happy as opposed to like the Maybe the, the, the screaming, Angry. the screaming Fox Newsy oh, haterade yeah, yeah. drinking yeah. kind of thing. So it's it's lighthearted. Yeah. Curmudgeonly is maybe a fair yeah, word fair. for okay, it. Fair. Yeah, that's fair. We're a little that's crusty. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. why we get along. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we definitely a cynical bent to it. Lots of sarcasm mm-hmm. yeah. because that's that's how we do. Which is probably why we enjoy each other's company. Yeah, right. For yeah. sure. For sure. So you got uh, that, and then uh, now Barnabas has written a number of books. Most recently, uh, the Curious, the Curious Christian was the most recent one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, um, what we wanted to do is because you're a friend, uh, even though you know you're on a competing podcast, and we're you're trying to steal audience members from each other, and there's, so, there's a lot we, of hostility. Uh, we do so much cross promotion for you guys. <laughs> the amount of the, the amount of times we've called you a D-list celebrity, Joe. You know, I, I, mm. I feel honored. Well, you know, I feel honored that. Well, I feel that, like that's just facts, though. Yeah. But, it's not like you're but he doesn't like, have to okay, talk but, about the facts. But like a, a key marketing tenet is impressions, the number of impressions before conversion. And if we like, we have offered people so many impressions mm-hmm. of Joe Thorne and Doctrine and Devotion that I'm sure you've picked up some listeners from it. I, I don't know what our conversion rate is, but we gotta, but we gotta it find a way to. Mm-hmm. You know, what, we'll, we'll we'll send out like a questionnaire, yeah, like a survey. Why are you here? Yeah, who brought you here? Who, who brought you here? here? And, and just remember, given the amount you guys haven't paid us, right. one listener. Is worth every penny. Okay. Well, uh, unless, if, if, well they, if they didn't buy anything from the store, then yeah. they're worthless to me. <laughs> no, they're a stat. They're a stat in your favor. People, right, fair enough. Po- podcast listeners are just statistics anyway. <laughs> I listen. Let me just say, all of our listeners, your family, your family. You want to, you want to come over and stay at our house? 
You you can stay. Oh, at you house. can stay at Joe's house, not my yeah. house. Yeah, I, I, I live at 36 Gray Street. You still stop it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so Barnabas, uh, you know, you're know you a friend. We enjoy your company when, the, on the rare occasion that we do get to hang out. We actually have friends that you've known much longer than you've known us, yeah. and you guys are tight. And so it's been. I passed them off to you for babysitting. Yeah, well, I you know, appreciate that. It keeps me busy. Um, but we wanted to talk to you about, about friendship in general. And we, we revisit this a lot because you ha- I'm sure you guys get this. We get this where they're like, People are like, man, you guys actually like each other, and you can just talk, and you can just. And we get this in the, as the staff at Redeemer. Mm-hmm. People, other pastors, well-known, uh, p- published author yeah. pastors, are like, you guys are actually friends on staff. It's like you hang and you enjoy. You can be honest, and yes, it is. It is critically. It impor- works best that way. You know, it yeah. sh- it should. So maybe you could start us off and and share like your perspective on what friendship is and why it's so important, uh, especially in the church and among Christians. Yeah, it's I, I read read recently. Just I didn't I didn't know until thirty what thirty five seconds. seconds ago that we were going to be talking <laughs> right. about this. Yeah, so yeah, I did yeah. not come prepared. So just like coincidentally yeah, like, yeah. or or providentially, depending on on how you like to describe things. Your dad I, would say providential. Well, of course he would. Um, <laughs> there's sort of an understood as the Lord wills at the end of every sentence yes, he speaks. Um, but uh, I was reading a book by G.K. Chesterton called What's Wrong with the World? Mm. And he has he has a, an essay in there where he talks about friendship and the importance of comradeship for men. And so, yeah. you know, he's writing in an era where comrade was associated with the socialist right. movement and things like that. But he talks about just the importance of of sort of being in something together. So it's, you know, it's not, it's not the heart to heart. It's not like, it's very masculine. It's like joint tasks. And he talks about the importance of, you know, you of smokes and drinks and tasks and these things that men share. Yeah. And, and I found it very refreshing because I think we have, I think we've overcomplicated friendship or yeah. put really high expectations. Like there's a lot of that sort of like uh, soul friend kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I'm like, that makes me very uncomfortable for one thing. I would not call anybody that kind of friend. I would call Joe my soul friend. Yes, you also call him your wife. So well, there's truth, po- truth in all, both things. We call each other podcast wife, yeah. not just wife. But go ahead. There's a there's a real fine line there, yeah. real fine line mm-hmm. there. Um, so I had to say the that it was very helpful for me in framing things and just thinking about friendship, especially amongst men, yeah. because because it's really to try to do friendship in a world where masculinity and just sort of being a guy is. I don't marginalize is far too strong because men still pretty much around the world, but it's it's being more and more sort of like frowned upon yeah. as as I don't know substandard or something mm-hmm. like that. So I found that freeing just to kind of to, to see somebody with the intellect and wisdom of Chesterton say this is of utmost importance. Yeah. So just the the being together in a place, yeah. and he even talks about like the way that men talk, the mockery, the mm-hmm. like yeah. the jesting. I was like, yes, all of those things. Those are all key components to friendship. So it's not what friendship is, but without it, friendship isn't. That's good. Mm. And that's where that's where I think, like you talk about church staff, that's where I think they often go wrong because they start with like accountability and they miss the like making fun of somebody for being short. Right. Mm-hmm. Like start with the fun part and then maybe you'll trust them enough to yeah, tell so them about the hard things in your life. That, yeah. Where there's a place to speak into. Yeah. I mean I mean as a good as a good rule of thumb, you should make fun of somebody within like 90 seconds of meeting them because then you know if you can be friends. Yeah, listen, mm. that happened with John, with uh, uh, I knew you were going to say James it. White. James oh, White. Yep, James White. James White. You, you don't know what you were going to say. I thought you were going to talk about the Jared Wilson thing. Oh, no, I ain't bringing that. No, I can't take no. it with Jared so, Wilson. Uh, <laughs> Wait, did he make fun of you or you make fun of him? Well, it goes around. It yeah, goes around, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. 
No, um, yeah, I met I mean, James I, White. I do as well, J- James White, you know, uh, you know, very serious, uh, you know, apologist, uh, you know, reformed Baptist guy. And uh, I'd never met him before, never spoke to him. And we were at the same table, and he came out, and within, I don't know, 60 seconds, I busted his chops, and he hit me right back. And it was like, oh, we're going to get along. Yeah, it, awesome. it completely sets the tone, and it clears away so much sort of emotional clutter. Yeah. Like, oh, what's a sensitive? So, oh, this person's not hypersensitive. Yeah, and yeah. we can, and and uh, for for men, be you have to have that just sort of, easy going free wheeling. It's so unnatural to sit down across a table with a cup of coffee and like have a heart to heart without the baseline of comradeship. Right. The, we enjoy golfing. We enjoy watching sports. We enjoy just doing social things and, and busting each other's chops and those kinds of things. Those are, so I don't know if that defines friendship, but I've, I just, I see in the church, especially Men trying to have friendships without comradeship, and right. it's so backwards. They try mm. to go. They try to go real deep um, on that intimate level when they when when friendship is something that is built. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think about yeah. friendship. I think about um, affection. I think about trust. I think about cooperation. And um, it feels natural. Right. Like, those are things that that should happen naturally. You can't force a friendship. That's that's where one like one of the places where like small groups in churches are perpetually a challenge. Occasionally they click, but it happens naturally. But you put people in a room and you're like, all right, strangers with whom you have no trust, you've spent zero time, you don't like the same things, you don't know the same things, you don't work at the same places, you have very little in common, or at least you don't know this, but by all means, tell them about how difficult your uh, your experience is with your children right. or how your dark your depression is or what. Mm-hmm. Those are, wait, that's, that's not how this works. It takes time. You you have to want it, and but you here's the, the problem is is for for friendship to be developed right it's got to mm-hmm. be built it's got it takes time you got to all these things kind of have to come together um, even for you to begin building it there has to be this element of trust and transparency yeah. and it's like you know there's risk involved in trying yeah to somebody build has to make the first move right? you know after you've after you've hung out and enjoyed company for a while somebody has to make the first move just being like hey, can I can I ask you a question. And then you you step off the yeah. ledge. Will you into, go out with me? Yeah, exactly. that's what Jimmy asked me. Yeah, that's not what that's I asked basically you. Basically, that's not it. Speaking of going out, uh, our our friend Andrew Golby wanted a shout out because he's about to ask a girl out on a date. Oh, he is going to. He's going to ask her out. I don't want to say her name. No, no, but, no. That would uh, be too much pressure. That'd be right. too much pressure. But I'm sure Jenna will say. Jenna I'm sure she's going to say yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good luck, Andrew. Yeah, go get it. Mm-hmm. Take that risk. It's worth it. Life is. You know, I always say it like this. I always say like life is a highway, you know. <laughs> you and <laughs> no, I'm just saying like that's how I think about it. Yeah. All right. You're gonna drive it all uh, night. All long? night long. Yeah. <laughs> sort of um, all right. So, why is friendship? Even, let's just talk about because it, it appeals to us. We think about yeah. friendship. We're yeah. like, okay, um, we want it, and and we have it like with with each other here and with our with other friends back home. Why is it important? Why does it matter? You know, like uh, uh, I think the three of us are introverts. Naturally, right? Are you introverted? I'm, I'm on the, like I'm smack in the middle. You, I can okay. I can function as an extrovert, but I can well, yeah, I can, can go three well. days and not talk mm-hmm. to anybody yes. and be very happy. So I right, so yeah, makes you an introvert. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. You're I'll say this: category. as my, when I I was very extroverted until I had children, and oh, then wow. they stole my <laughs> my life force. <laughs> they have it all. They with, drained well, it. Well, when I have two daughters, and they say lots of words. Yeah, and so 
I, I really like solitude and silence yeah. now. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. I also love my daughters, just to be clear. But mm. it has, yeah, yeah, it has yes, changed yes. my interactions with the broader world because sometimes I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to see humans. Yeah. They used up all of my social <laughs> abilities. So for, for, for guys who, for one reason or another, uh, we actually enjoy being alone, live, yeah. put my earbuds in, uh, leave me alone, just do that. Um, why is friendship important to us? What, what value is mm-hmm. it? Is it a gift of God? And if so, like, what's the, who cares? What does it do? I, I mean, you you will hear people say over and over again, usually talking about the health of the church, you know, people are designed to live in community. community. Yeah, yeah. But I think just more simply than that, people are designed to be social. It's There have been studies done, which I can't, you know, I don't, I mean, of the mental health effects of isolation. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, there's even movements right now to remove solitary confinement as a punishment for inmates under the age of like for juvenile uh, juvenile mm-hmm. delinquents oh. because it it has a permanent yeah, yeah. I was about uh, to like, disagree with this but like no I'm okay with that no yeah, for, yeah, for yeah. essence aspect yeah. Yeah. yeah you know so so I mean because it, it has a it has a permanent effect right. on their their emotions and yeah. their minds and so like there's just a we were genuinely created to be in interactions with others mm-hmm. just for our own for our minds and our and our hearts and our souls but then when you just think about it personally um, while being alone is very uh, soothing and satisfying and restful, especially for introverts, it's it's utterly necessary. Um, you can't share anything good or anything hard. You can't share a burden or a happiness yep. when you're by yourself. So, and I mean, C.S. Lewis talks about the the joy of of sharing. You know, mm-hmm. if you if if you go to the Grand Canyon and it's beautiful, you it's a little bit depressing to walk away from that when you're by yourself. But yeah, if you go really with good. somebody else and you can look at it together and say, "Wow," and then 3 years later talk about, "Remember that time we went to the Grand Canyon?" Mm-hmm. Like this yeah. that that it, That's the, a really good point. The the really shared enjoyment of life or the flip side of that is if you're miserable, whether it's whether it's mm-hmm. depression or something, you know, external that's causing difficulty, Friends usually can't fix your problems, but it definitely makes life easier knowing you're not in it alone. Yeah. So to go to them and just be like, I'm in a dark place or this thing really hurt me. Um, I mean, I got a call from a friend earlier who was talking about a really difficult manager at work. And I can do absolutely nothing to help this friend. Yeah. Zero. But they now know that I, I listened and I cared and I can ask them in a week yeah. how are things yeah, going. Things going yeah. And just that gives them a sense of increased strength to navigate a hard thing and to carry that burden. And so, I mean, those are just those are just practical things. Like life yeah. is really heavy and really boring if you're perpetually alone. That's good. I think that's true. And it's 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 interesting for me because um, you know, as a pastor, I'm I'm genuinely I shouldn't be surprised, but I am surprised at how many people are authentically encouraged and strengthened just knowing that that maybe the elders or some of their or, or a friend is saying, "Hey, I've been thinking about you. Mm-hmm. I've been praying for you about this thing," mm-hmm. uh, and their response is just that is such a huge help for me right now. Um, so that they have that friendship, and that friendship carries over, right? That relationship carries over into even when they're not together. Like they're they have that that bond. So then, what makes friendship hard? People, people. Barnabas. Barnabas. <laughs> Barnabas. Makes Barnabas friendship makes friendship very hard. Difficult. Well, I mean, there's. I think. I think there's. 
being a good friend over time is a challenge just because, because we're selfish, I Mm -hmm. think is the short version. We, I can go months and not interact with certain friends because, because they live in different places Mm -hmm. or our paths don't cross. And so it takes intentional, just planning, planning and effort to say, let's, you know, let's grab dinner. Let's, you know, watch that game together. Let's whatever it is just to make our lives intersect. Starting a friendship is hard because of what, I mean, because we, you know, we, we made the joke earlier about, uh, you know, go Branson asking a girl out. People try to start friendships the way that people ask ask someone out on a date, and they're like, "Would you be my friend?" Like that. That's that's not how friendship works. Like you yeah. don't. It can work like when you're six, like at a school sometimes. That's, yeah, it, yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's still it, yeah. it's still a crap. It's a lot easier then. Yeah. We that's yeah that's asking somebody to to do something with you. You know, would you be my friend? Basically means would you go down the slide behind yeah, me, or like yeah. would you sit mm-hmm. on the swing next to me, or kick the ball, or whatever. But when you're an adult, then like life is complex. And so there can't be that simplistic thing. You can't, you know, you can't set up, you can't set people up to be like a, a blind friendship. Yeah. You can set people up on a blind date. It might go horribly, but that's, and so just starting a friendship mm-hmm. is hard. And you made a movie about that. I love you, man. Remember that one? No. Oh, you guys are believers. You didn't watch that. Never mind. Now I feel dumb. <laughs> is that about the conjoined twins? Yeah. yeah I want to talk. It's not about that one. It don't okay. matter. I kind of, I kind of feel like I need to start talking about all the terrible movies I've seen just to make you, Think that I'm not like a Kendrick Brothers movie watcher or something. <laughs> um, Jim, Jimmy, Jimmy has the worst taste in movies. I do not have the worst. You taste have the in worst. Movies. I taste do not. In movies. You do. I do not. You watch stuff like, like I can't wait for. I'm, I'm going to be watching Pitch Perfect three soon. I know. I know. You may about. be proving his point. Yeah. No. He's nah, so no let the let the let the listeners discerning. Yeah. Minds understand. <laughs> Hashtag Jimmy has no taste. All right. Anyways, this I, is why I, I struggle in friendships. This is my friend. That no. That's all I get. Uh, I'm your I'm your soul friend. Yeah, yeah, my soul's terrible. <laughs> but but the rest of life is kind of tough. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it makes it. Man, I think friendship. I think friendship is hard. Yeah. Um, for me, when I think about it, you you mentioned selfishness, and I just I know myself. I know how I'm wired. Um, like it, friendship, it it demands right this output of energy toward another person for their good. Now, like for my wife and for my kids, that requires a certain amount of energy. Mm-hmm. It's easier for me in a sense because I gen- I mean, we have this relationship. I love them and everything. And so like with- an And ex- it's woven into your daily life. Right. Like you don't have to schedule time to see, you know, your kids. You see yeah. them in the morning. You see them in the afternoon. And, mm-hmm. you know, they come wake you up in the middle of the night or whatever. Like it's, they're just there it's every, all everything. the time. And even, so like- with uh, with with my close friends, you know, like Jimmy and the guys at, at church, I see them f- so frequently. Mm-hmm. It seems natural. So the output of energy, it, 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 it's it, it's there's an output, but it's it's not a burden. I don't feel like. But if there is a if there is a distance, it, in in my experience, it just falls apart. Now, yeah. now the relationship, it's not like I hate them or they hate me, but like yeah, Joe has told me that. Joe has told me if I ever move, we're done. That's yeah. what he, he, I didn't you, say that. No, you said, I said that. I said no. I said out of sight, out of mind. Bye. No, no, you said out of sight. Out of heart. No, I, I did not say that. You but said it is true. out of sight, out Close of friends that have moved, it's like... You'll be, like, you will no longer be conjoined souls. No. Oh, no. I no. go on vacation, and Joe is All right. Like, all right. Oh, here we go. Not, what? doesn't what? what? You can't tell about this? No, I, just, I just say, hey, how you doing, buddy? You having fun on your vacation? I no, you, he sits there, and he texts me like five times in a day. No, well, he, it depends on what's going on. Five you know? to seven times, and he keeps going harder and harder. And then he starts getting mad. I don't get mad. He gets irritated that I'm not responding, because I'm with my wife. No. And I'm on vacation. I'm no. busy. And then he doesn't respond anything. He gets really passive aggressive about it. And he's like, I'm busy. No, no, see, then all of a sudden he's busy. I'm busy, yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh, you've been gone too long. You're dead to me. Yeah. 
aside from your guys's neuroses and issues, you bring up an interesting point, and that is yeah. the 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 digital complexity oh. of things. Like text messages are a great way to mm. to connect with people, and also the worst way. Yeah, because yeah. you get a text message from somebody, they're like, "Hey, how are you?" I don't want to answer that text. Like this, a. a it's not a conversation. No. Mm-hmm. You can't really have a good conversation by text. And B, you caught me in the middle of something. Yeah. But if I don't respond, there's now the baggage of like, are they blowing me off? Do they not like me? You know, you, so like. Texting the, is only good for short, quick, immediate responses. Which means, I mean, telephones are are terrible too. I mean, all of that, all of that is part of the reason why distance does maim friendships. Yeah. A long distance friendship can be maintained, but it has a ceiling on it. You know, um, I have friends who I've, you know, who I've been friends with since growing up and since college. And when we are in the same place, we pick up right where we left mm-hmm. off. But yeah. that friendship is not developed in the months between. Right. We are. You've catch- already spent that time. We're catching up. Right. Earlier. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's you have to you have to be in proximity. And I think that's part of what or that's another thing that makes friendship hard is just transience. People yeah. Yeah. come and go all the mm-hmm. time. Um, and if friendships take time. You know, it's like it's like everybody's an army brat now. You know, yeah. like everybody. You, I've lived here and here and here, and I know people here and here and here. But like, you don't have a decade and a half of roots in a place with people to kind of develop that that comfort level and the trust. I mean, and those are all external factors, mm-hmm. not to mention just our own. You know, the you know, the selfishness aspect of things. Yeah, yeah. What about what about being a good friend? You mentioned this earlier, like being a good friend. What are some things? That like when you look at yourself um, or let's say you had to instruct a group of men or women who like, I want to be a good friend. What does that require of me? You know, this is going to be somewhat similar, I imagine, to being a good neighbor. Um, (laughs) But what 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 does it take to be a good friend? What is required of you? I don't think it's a one size fits all thing. I think it depends on the, the type of person the other person is. You know, there are some people who if you don't ever reach out to them. Mm-hmm. they will never reach out to you. Like right. they're just not mm-hmm. going to. So to be a good friend there to maintain that friendship is to take the initiative of you're the one who's constantly making, you know, making things happen. Um, sometimes it's listening, you know, they're just, just being, being available. I don't know that I am a great, I, I don't know that I am a great friend. I have some great no, friends. I've heard from others. Yeah. You're not, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's more truth in that than you know. Um, I have some great friendships, but, I don't feel like I don't feel like I take any credit for that. It just feels like something I sort of fell into. But I think, yeah, I think availability. I think refusing to be offended. Mm. I mean, just if you, re, you you because if somebody doesn't call you for six months, it's so easy to begin to to sort of degrade the friendship in your mind to right. think like we're just we're just not that close anymore. Mm-hmm. All it takes is for you to set aside your offense. And text or call them and say, hey, we haven't seen each other in a while. Why don't we do whatever it is mm-hmm. you guys like to mm-hmm. do? And and problem solved. Yeah. But but by taking offense, which is so easy to do, you you know, you sort of you create barriers between mm-hmm. you and another person or you read into a silence that, yeah. you know, those kinds of things. And so I think I think those are things that the the refusal to be offended is huge. I like that a lot. <clears throat> I mean, I know that there are, you know, differences and different personalities and different uh, needs, but there are going to be some things that are universal in, on the principal level and that are going to be unpacked in different mm-hmm. ways. So like availability for yeah. some people means I'm taking the initiative to reach out. Other people it's to be responsive. Um, uh, refusing to take offense is brilliant. I think that's, that's really good. Yeah. Being charitable. Yeah. Charitable. So Assu- yeah. Assuming the best about, yeah. 
Right, Joe? Uh, just I, that's in general. What I, I do all. that. Right, Joe? Uh, I always assume the best about my friends. Yeah. About everybody else, I assume they're trying to get me. <laughs> now, what about... Um, Conspiracy theorist. What about, <laughs> no, he is. more. That's, what, there's what more it, truth than that. No, than you oh, thought, stop. Oh, with your, whatever. There's more truth than there's that. No, than I don't that. believe in any conspiracy. Oh, really? No. You did... Joe, we just had a conversation that you don't believe that we landed on the moon yet. Okay, Jimmy just made that up. I do believe we landed on the Joe, moon. Joe, we just talked about Jimmy, that three weeks you are ago. You're lying. You're trying to Anyways, make me look dumb. Continue. Well, honesty is also an important part of yeah. friendship. That's yeah. why we Joe, don't have one. Joe, tell people the truth. I believe we landed on the moon. They're gonna think I'm a yeah, flat earther or something. Not in the, not back then. Oh, okay, stop it. <laughs> um, what, what about what about the issue of of like transparency? Maybe that's the hmm. word, or vulnerability. I just. Here's the thing. I um, I was talking to a guy who was a, a, a staff elder pastor at a large church, and he's no longer there. And um, godly dude, serious dude. And uh, so those are, he, those are not the same thing. No, that's by why, the no, way. Godly, like there's there are some people who think that those are the same thing. No, 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 no. <laughs> this guy is. He's just. Uh, he's a sweet dude. I like him a lot. So. Um, he was there, he's on staff, and he was there for, you know, I don't know how long it was, a year before he was like, hey guys, I just want to get real here. And he's tried to, he tried to just be real transparent about what was going on, and nobody was having it. They were not having this level of disclosure, of vulnerability. Um, it, was, it, was, it was awkward. Mm. And, uh, and like, for, for, you know, in my experience, like at, at the church that, you know, we're at right now, and hopefully I'll be at it till I die, um, that is that is not only like normal to have that level of openness about where we're at. Um, it, it the idea that we couldn't be that way is it frustrates me. It would frustrate me greatly. And so, what does that mean when we're in? Uh, you have a friend or a group of friends. Why is transparency important? Is that the right word for it? Maybe there's something better. Um. Yeah, I think all the words for it are a little buzzwordy now yeah, yeah. because because they've become sort of cultural commodities, authenticity, transparency, um, vulnerability. Yes, vulnerability. That's a who is it? Brene Brown is a the vulnerability expert and so I think she's she's turned this into like that's like her business, yeah. which I think is really valuable because I think the problem is that it's very easy to be falsely all of yeah, those things. You sort absolutely. of present yourself as transparent, mm-hmm. which is the ultimate mm-hmm. non-transparency. Yeah. Um, those are those are hard things because that's that that feels almost like friendship chemistry to me. Like it's not a thing that it's not mechanical. So if I share this and you share this, and then we we sort of build this right. thing, it it feels more like I have to just sort of put this ingredient out there and hope that it it reacts well with you. You know, mm-hmm. your reception is gracious or listening or mm-hmm. patient or interested, you know. So if I put something out there that's that's risky, I'm just hoping that, you know, early on, I'm hoping that you're going to like dig in and go, oh, really? Like, tell me more about that and listen and yeah. whatever, whatever the engagement needs to be. Um, and you can't have a good friendship without that. But the thing is that that's hard over time as well. You know, there are friends with whom... You can be transparent for a long time, but then something comes up in your life that you feel ashamed of, yeah. that you're guilty of, or that's just that's just really hard, and yeah. you you still keep it from them. And they yeah. find out later, like, why didn't you tell me? I mean, I, I just had a conversation like that with a friend recently where they found out about something that I had had been going on with me for like two years ago, and they're like, why didn't, why didn't we talk about that? Mm. And I was just like, I, I didn't want to is yeah. the short version. I just I didn't sure. bring myself to it. And that hurt them because they felt untrusted. Yeah. And I mean – 
again, they didn't take offense, so they were hurt and yeah. then moved past it very Moved quickly, on, yeah. which is good. They're it's good, good friend. friend. Yeah, but but it's always a risk. Is there always, there's always the risk. There's of, also of over, hiding. There's also over transparency, or not over transparency, over sharing, because that's selfish too. Oh yeah, where you just sort of you unburden yourself perpetually. Like, we all have friends where we feel like we're carrying their water yeah. all the yeah. time. Absolutely. You know, they they call and you're just like, ah, oh, this thing again. You know, they're going to tell me about the latest stupid petty thing in their life yeah. mm-hmm. that they're unburdening themselves. And so that has to be a two-way street, too. I mean, sure. the Bible says bear one another's burdens. It doesn't say one of you bear the other's yeah. burden. Yeah, You know? And sometimes you just got to talk to your friends and be like, hey, man, you know, <laughs> you're, like, you're, you're a drag. Yeah. Like, you, you, stop you need, it. It's not being so <laughs> selfish in this. That I think is a is a part of transparency that we suck at is the is the blunt confrontation aspect. I'm a very blunt person. I it is very hard to look a friend in the face and be like, you're an idiot right now. When it's when you know, if if they are being a drag, if they're at if they're sinning, if their attitude sucks. That's but but that's essential. Yeah. Because just as much as it's a risk to unburden yourself in a vulnerable way, it's a risk to do something that threatens the friendship in an aggressive way. Mm. And I think having observed and, you know, female friendships, I think that's even harder. Yeah. Because guys just tend to be a little bit more bluntly combative and I, emotionally unintelligent. So it's I, much- I, I would <laughs> say that, that we have a – our maybe our psyche or our soul is simpler. It's like we're, le- yeah, we're, yeah, we're kind parts. of blunt. Like it's, yeah, we're blunt objects yeah. in that way. Yeah. Um, and, and I hate the oversimplification between genders and to paint with a broad brush, but I just, a trend is that guys tend to be, have a little bit easier time being forceful and blunt yeah. and, and women tend to have a harder time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, both receiving and giving it and it hurts more and it's more complex. And, and so I don't, I don't want to put this out there as if it's an easy thing, but I do think that that's an essential part of friendship is the ability to tell your friends when they're being stupid. All of this really, it's, it's interesting as we're kind of walking through it because all of these are commands and or expectations of relationships between people in the church, right? Mm -hmm. When you read the new Testament, all of this, we're supposed to support one another and encourage one another and rebuke one another and correct one another. And, and for that to happen, uh, there has to be, but when you put it in a church context, it gets so unnatural. Like if if the church was, if the church was filled with people who were just being friends, it would take care of a lot of that stuff. Well, that's, Yes, I think yes and no. I mean, think of how many friendships there are out there where they aren't. I mean, then I guess it's no longer a true friendship. But a lot of people have comfortable, uh, enjoyable relationships where there isn't correction, where there isn't, you know, bearing one another's burdens. Um, And in fact, the the American trend is empowerment. Yeah. So if your friend is doing something that you know they shouldn't be doing, that's their truth. And and you, you know, you don't. You don't correct them. You you may you may question the wisdom of the decision, but like once they've made their decision, you just kind of go okay, mm-hmm. and, right? And so there's not any of that like draw the line in the sand kind of, you know, uh, aggressive correction yeah, when well, needed. You, you have you have to do it. So I th- I think you know when we're reading the scripture, the the design is for this to be the reality in churches. I think it gets complicated because churches make it complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, we make it complicated by. Um, you know, whether it's having a, a judgmental attitude or bad theology or a mixture of all of that. Um, but the design is clearly for, for the, the church to be the place where these relationships flourish. They're supposed yeah. to flourish here, if anywhere, because where, where else can you go in the world where everyone is admitted as the same? We're all sinners. We're all damned. 
but we're also all justified equally in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. We're all imago dei, and, and uh, we're all uh, sinned up, but then we're all redeemed. Like, that means that we're all admitted together as, as, as brothers and sisters. So, like, there's, th- this should be the one place where you can be honest. Yeah, I think, I think part of the way that things get gummed up in the church is when those things are laid out as, like, church expectations instead of human interaction expectations, it, I now feel the pressure to be friends with everybody oh, in yeah. the church. Yeah. And there's just some people I don't click with. Yeah. Well, and it's also, Most it's of them, impossible. actually. It's, it's right. an impossibility anyway. Yeah. I mean, even, it's, even if it's a church of 44 people yeah. where you could feasibly be friends with all of them, there's just some of them you're not, you don't click you don't with. Click and it's not with. a matter of spite or hate or dislike. Yeah. It's just there are personalities that don't mesh well. Sure. And, and so those, those things get complicated when they get forced. Yeah. Instead of being, they, sh- they ought to be a reflection of a, a changed heart. Yeah. Where you actually do care about other people. You do, you do, you start out by noticing other people. You notice their needs or mm-hmm. they're new here or whatever. And, but when it gets, when it gets systematized yeah. and forced, you can't do that. It you doesn't yeah. work. You ha- yeah. in, in fact, you know, it ought to be the, the joyful expectation Right, that a church has for its people that they would be, that they would have deep Christian, like gospel rich friendships, um, not universally across the board with everyone. That's impossible. That's unrealistic. Even Jesus had different you mm-hmm. know, levels of interaction with his disciples. Um, but that this would be, wow, the joyful expectation because we want people to know one another and put effort into this. But no, you, you can't have a chart where you're keeping score to right. make sure that boxes are getting yeah. checked and people are actually, ha- like, you can't force that. All you can do is say, hey, listen, we really want to encourage mm-hmm. you. Um, get to know people. Try out a small group or, um, you know, See who you connect with, however you can do it, but you got to try to facilitate it without being yeah. heavy-handed. Well, I think facilitating it is an interesting word because um, what I was thinking of is churches put put programs in place. So there there are small group programs, there are social things. It's mm-hmm. very programmatic. They don't create environments. Environments are what breed friendship. It's, it's an it's an environment of welcome, an environment of grace. It's an environment of fun, you know, right. a place people enjoy being. So when you talk about the friendships y'all have on staff, that's an environment creator mm-hmm. where it there's an example being set, but you're not you're not getting up there and being like, I'm gonna set an example as a friend right. today. You're just being mm-hmm. a friend and people see it and notice and it sets it sets a tone and creates an environment. And one of the things that I have learned over the last several years as I've, I've kind of struggled to find a church home is I'm not looking for a list of anything. I'm looking for an environment. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's the smell test. You know, you walk in and you just, you sense the place or I sense the place before I can list off what's, you know, the pros and the cons yeah, and yeah. the strengths of the preaching and music and all of those things. Cause I've, I've been at a couple of churches that were very strong on the lists and didn't pass the smell test yeah. because of the environment and bringing it back to friendship. A lot of it was you just look around and you go, "This doesn't feel like people like each other very much." Yeah. They're all here for the checklist, mm-hmm. mm. and that's that's not a church. That's a conference every Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Let's end on that. I that's like really that. good. I like that. So, so Barnabas, if people want to follow you, they want to be your friend. Your on, virtual uh, friend. Your virtual friend. Oh, yes, how, Fa- how Facebook they... friendships, because those are real friendships. Yes, yes, yes. So how, how could they connect with you online? Social um, media. All yes. That. Twitter Twitter is my favorite social media. It's just at Barnabas Piper. Oh, I... hey, look at that. Just at Here we go. Barnabas Piper. Did the same thing I got with, at... He did the same thing with Joe Dubs last night. And now you, you, Jimmy's like, 
at J64 Fowler underscore. He was probably a late adopter. Thank you. Oh, my God. You got it. That's exactly what I said last night. Thank you, sir. You still could have come up with something better. Yeah, you don't, don't. If you have a number in your Twitter handle, yeah, dang just it, I got fix two. it. Fix it. Just stop it. <laughs> I'm just being a friend to our <laughs> thank listeners. You, thank you. Dude, saying a hard word to, right. to a friend. All right, so yeah, Twitter so, so and Barnabas Piper. Piper. Can't can't forget that. I have mm-hmm. I have a website, BarnabasPiper.com, where there's you can find books and blogs and those kinds of things. Podcast is there, so mm-hmm. those are the easiest places. So add Barnabas Piper and BarnabasPiper.com. Awesome. All right, so head on over. You want to subscribe uh, to the Happy Rant. Um, get the book, Curious Christian, and uh, follow follow our friend uh, online and uh, and tell him thank you for us for promoting our podcast. Uh, thank you, I'm, thank I'm you not so much. Nah, <laughs> but our listeners, <laughs> our listeners. <laughs> couldn't bring yourself to. Nah. No, no, no. He's not humble. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Doc and Dee. We're on Facebook slash Dr. Devotion. You can head on the website, drdevotion.com. They can contact us. You can no sign up for the email blast or you can get up the store and sign up for the 2018 Dr. Devotion Conference on the Spirit and the Church. Fresh Pod every Monday and Thursday. Blog posts on Wednesday. like a medical disclaimer. On Fridays later. Stop it. This is our thing, Barnabas. Barnabas.